Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Episode 61, the Daily Intermission Podcast, Greg in studio, Justin in New York. We got a lot to get into. Justin, how are we doing today, my man? Unbelievable weather's back to being nice. We had about four or five days there, pure rain. So it's just been studying. We got finals week coming up, but gonna have to hit the golf course today, tomorrow. Just get that uh, mental break there before we get into the big projects and tests that are coming. But just been uh, training as normal, right? Our off-season training's gotten going here. Uh, leaving campus uh, at the end of next week, so just transitioning from that, wrapping up here, getting ready to go home and uh, begin that that summer program back at the house and. Um, just golf and enjoy the summer. So, how have things been for you? Things are good, man. Just, Justin, let me dive into that quickly. Like, is it a lot of like leg action? Like, are we hitting like the hack squats, the squats, lunges? Like, what are we dealing with here with the training? Uh, I mean, so we have a we have a great trainer here on campus. Uh, uh, uh Jared uh, is our trainer here, and um, he's got dialed in. When you come out of the season, so we've only had about three weeks here uh, on campus since the season ended uh, from before we leave to do our summer training. And he's got us doing like eccentric stuff, uh, resetting the body, resetting the nerve, nerve tissue, like stuff that you have to be getting paid to do for a living to know that that's what you got to do to train for hockey. So uh, he's got us dialed in. Uh, we just finished our testing actually this week. So we do like, uh, we do testing before we head out for the summer. Uh, it's like chin up testing with weight. Um, it's vertical jump, it's a single leg squat, it's bench press, uh, things like that. So then just, we have a benchmark for, we go for the summer, obviously we're all on our own, go back to our own hometowns. And, uh, just so when we get back, you kind of see where you are, see where you progress, see if you, uh, increase, decrease, but yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of leg stuff, obviously for the hockey players, explosive, uh, is kind of the focus nowadays. You want to have that, that speed and agility as best you can. So, uh. A lot of leg stuff, but uh, just as much upper body for sure. Yeah, yeah, just the the, the full circuit. I love it. Getting ready for next season, but uh, no, it's been good on my end, man. It's uh, like you, it's kind of been similar in terms of weather. It's been cold. It's been wet. Um, but a few golf games lined up. Got nine holes tonight, and then uh, eighteen on Saturday. So I'm not sure if there'll be an over under set. I, I think I might take a, a few days off to see if we can keep trending in the right direction here, and then really throw off maybe a fiery one in the next few uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, but let's hop into the pregame show here in uh, it's in episode 61, season three. Uh, in quarter one, we're going to get into the NHL. Quarter two, we're going to talk some NBA action. The halftime show today, name the top five. So we'll t- we'll give each other a kind of a different category. We'll see if we can name the top five in each of those categories. Quarter three, the MLB. And in quarter four, we'll take it home. Just a brief update in the PGA Tour and UFC world. Uh, it's been a wild week. And for all the listeners and for the longtime listeners, you know that we're not gigantic fans of Jackson Mahomes over here at the Daily Intermission. And Justin, I know you're new to this, but I think he's a bit of a clown character. Uh, Obviously, it started with him uh, dancing on the grave uh, at the Washington Commanders uh, game. And and I don't know why his name has escaped me right now, but legendary safety for the uh, hard-hitting safety. Obviously passed away, played at the U, I do believe. But he was dancing on his grave doing TikTok dances and then pouring drinks on fans out of the press box. And now he has been arrested for 
aggravated sexual battery. And you've seen the video online, I'm sure, of him in a restaurant kind of grappling uh, the bar owner, trying to make out with her. It's a tough scene for Jackson Mahomes, but uh, obviously he's been released on bail. But this is going to be definitely in the media here uh, over the next few weeks and, uh, and months. So, Greg, you tell me, because we're having this conversation here. Is is it the same? Is that what he got arrested for? Was it the same situation, or was it a second situation? No, this is that same situation. So, uh, obviously, yeah. you know, we we had heard that uh, charges had been laid, uh, but then the arrest mm-hmm. happened uh, uh, this week. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the media members, too, were all over him uh, as he was walking out of the uh, out of the courtroom. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's and, a tough look right now for the Mahomes family. It's brutal. I mean, and, and it goes back to, I don't think it was, it was before this season that just ended where his brother just won the Super Bowl, but the year prior, that whole offseason, nobody was talking about what the Chiefs were doing roster-wise, what Mahomes is doing, or how does he have to be better. It was, it was purely talk. He's got to get his wife and, and brother under control. It was like on every sports talk, like Jackson was a distraction, all this, and he was quiet for the, he was quiet for the entire season. And then as soon as they were going into the Super Bowl game, back he was all over social media and everything, and now this happens. It's just, I don't know, you, you feel for Patrick Mahomes. You know what I mean? Like, this guy is a clean character, hasn't had any issue with the law or anything like that, um, married with a kid, winning Super Bowls, MVPs, etc. And, like, this is the big thing that, like, overshadows his career. Like, this is, it's it's crazy that this is the negative part of his career, and it's it's brother which it's unfortunate but you, yeah that was uh, something to see him walking out of there and all the all the all the memes and tweets of uh, uh patrick paying off the the, the money and <laughs> waiting for him and all this gonna get him back but oh yeah it was, it was something to see it, it's so unfortunate i mean we're talking about the best quarterback on the planet and his little brother is just this entitled little snob who rolls into restaurants telling him that he's patrick Mahomes' brother looking for you know different uh perks and and of being a brother like it's just it's so ridiculous yeah. and and honestly you know you can argue this obviously i i would think that the the restaurant owners they're looking for a payday um you know and and you know and, and they're probably going to get it but it's a it's such a distraction like you said and, and Brittany and jackson have just they've been the only detriment to patrick mahomes he's such a great character he's so fun to watch and he's just such a classy guy and then you get these two lunatics uh just putting on a sideshow that uh, pe- that people get a kick out so anyway, Jackson Mahomes arrested for aggravated sexual battery was released on a hundred thousand uh, dollar bail. So obviously we'll uh, we'll be keeping uh, you know an eye on that situation and see what happens with Jackson Mahomes. It's Kentucky Derby Week, Justin. Obviously at Churchill Downs in Louisville, Kentucky, or just outside of Louisville, Kentucky. People are fired up. It's uh you know I'm not a huge horse racing guy, but I'll always tune into uh, to the Kentucky Derby. And one of my favorite songs from last year was Jack Harlow and Drake booking out a nice suite uh, at at, uh, at Churchill Downs, putting on a nice rap video. But uh, man, you know, do you have any experience watching the Kentucky Derby, the ponies? Uh, but I do have a few best bets uh, after you kind of you know get into this, Justin. Uh, no, for sure. I mean, I tune in almost every year. Um, I'm I'm more of a get into it when maybe a horse is in the action for the Triple Crown. That kind of gets me yep. my juices flowing a bit more. Uh, I'm not obviously a year round uh, uh, <laughs> pony guy, horse tracker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah. following how they're doing coming into this race. I'm more of a right, let's see what people are saying uh, pre race. Maybe just uh, uh, watch more for fun. But um, no, I, I I don't have a ton. Um, but it's always electric for sure. And it's a great time of year to, like you said, see everyone uh, get to the races and stuff like that. So 
Yeah, absolutely. And a few here. So uh, there's a big, obviously, a lot of the listeners will recognize this name, Eddie Olchak. He's a famous NHL player. He commentates for the Seattle Crack, and he also works, I do believe, for TNT and the commentating um, crew there. Uh, but he's a huge horse racing guy. And these are just some of the narratives that he gave out. He actually works for NBC during the Kentucky Derby. He's putting on five-hour, six-hour pre-shows uh, right now. And then I guess today there's some races going on at Churchill Downs. And then tomorrow, obviously, the big one, the Kentucky Derby. Uh, but here's a little nugget for you here. Justin, the favorite to win is a horse by the name of Forte. The owners of Forte, Vinny Biola, the owner of the Florida Panthers. So the favorite to win the Kentucky Derby is the Florida Panthers owner, Vinny Viola. Is that worth a little sprinkle of three to one? I mean, why not? Look at the Panthers right now. Obviously, we'll get into it, but hey, ride the hot hand. Maybe he's got some uh, something going right now with uh, his team. So yeah, I mean, why not? Yeah, it seems like it. Uh, seems like a nice bet. So these are the bets that uh, Eddie Olchek, i got to give him credit, is on right now. So he likes verifying 15-1 uh, to running in the two spot, or I, I'm not sure what that means, but he's running in the two slots. So verifying at 15-1. to He's also on Skinner, little Stuart Skinner at 20-1. to uh, So we like verifying 15-1, to Skinner at 20-1. to Then obviously he's going to sprinkle Forte at 3-1. to uh, But those are some horses. But last year, obviously, we remember the horse won at like 81-1. to um, it was just a huge, yeah. huge upset. I forget the name of the horse, but uh, but obviously, you know, it was if you're a rich strike, rich, rich strike, strike with that one, that, that is crazy, the name. crazy, unbelievable. You know, what? give me, give me just a, I, this is an I'm mean, pretenses, absolute flyer, absolute flyer. Oh my goodness, Don't trust this. Oh, you got a flyer, Derma, man. So target, Derma, so target, ten to one. Don't don't even trust it. No, I like it. I like it, man. I mean, <laughs> we got to give out some bats and we got to give out some, uh, you know, some sprinkles here and there because I'm definitely going to get a little action in the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> and what I didn't know about uh, horse racing too, Justin, so say I placed a bet on verifying at 15 to 1. It doesn't, it, like other sports, if those odds change, my bet changes as well. So if I bet it at 15 to 1 and then he opens up the race at 8 to 1, I'll get the 8 to 1 odds, which is which is something that we're not oh. used to in sports betting. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, a lot of yeah, a lot of it otherwise is finding the value at the right time. That that's wild. Yeah, exactly. So if you like huh. a horse, you're gonna get the odds that they give you uh pre-race. Uh, but obviously it's an exciting time and all the celebrities go out. They put the top hats on and, and put on a showdown at, uh, at the Kentucky yeah. Derby. And I'm, sh I'm assuming a lot of the people were at the Met Gala as well. I just kind of wanted to briefly talk about the Met Gala because I think it's honestly one of the most outrageous events put on. And if you're like a fringe big time celebrity and didn't get the invite, man, I feel as if you would be super sour, but some of the outfits going on at the Met Gala are outrageous. I don't know if you caught any of the highlights there. Like Shay Gilgers Alexander was there and, and Dwayne Wade and his wife, Gabriella, uh, we're there. It's just, it's just, uh, it's a who's who event. Obviously, a lot of money goes into it, and and uh, I think it's just a complete milk. Yeah, I don't have. I'm not as diverse into the uh, the fashion world as I should be. I suppose the. <laughs> no, men, no. I mean, it's. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's something where the the outfits because this isn't isn't that what it is at the end of the day? Isn't it like a fashion? It's a fashion uh, show. Event? Yeah, like that's what it is, right? Yep. But these outfits, some of these outfits are just absolutely <laughs> lunatic. I mean, yeah, we've seen some crazy ones in the past, but I, yeah, it, it's it's something that I don't have uh, enough information or knowledge on to say the least. No, and, and I mean, like the amount of money that they're spending on these outfits as well, and I don't even know how you classify yourself as as a designer, and you know, if you work for Vogue or if you work for you know any any of these massive companies, like. I think a lot of it just looks tr like trashy, but anyway, I won't get into yeah, it. Like I'm a yeah. rural guy in, in Canada, so I, it's not like my fashion expertise <laughs> is really up to par, but 
Let's get into quarter one, Justin, because we've got a lot to get into. Obviously, it's round two in the NHL playoffs. And for Toronto Maple Leafs fans, they are worried right now. The Maple Leafs and Florida Panthers, the Leafs are down 2-0. Uh, they lose both games at home. Obviously, a very worrying situation. And uh, in game one, they get down quick. Uh, nice comeback, but Florida buries them and, and ends up winning game one. And then in game two, they get up to a quick lead, but they let the Florida Panthers back into it. And one of my big takeaways here, uh, Justin, from this series is very similar to the Bruins series. The Florida Panthers are so good at turning pucks over. They're amazing, and they're amazing at capitalizing on those turnovers. So, it, like, it only takes just a few mishaps during the game, and they will pu- they will put it in the back of the net. And, and uh, you know, the Leafs up 2-1 early on in the second period. Willie Nylander has a bad giveaway. They put it in the back of the net. And then Austin Matthews with a little juggle play trying to exit the zone. Uh, turnover, Matthew Kachuk finds, uh, I'm not sure if it was Forsling or not, uh, backdoor, he ends up putting it in the back of the net. And, and now we look and, and the Leafs are against the ropes heading down to Florida. Yeah, you know, I didn't didn't expect this to say the least. You thought that being that Tampa team who were looking by all means the better side um, would have to, uh, Toronto uh, rolling into round two against a week of Florida team. But you know what? Maybe it comes back to what you said. Um, at the beginning of it all, Florida's been playing playoff hockey for nearly two months now, and and they haven't stopped that train and that intensity, making comebacks, etc. But I'm not ready to rule out the the rule out the Leafs here. I, I'm really not. I have them. Obviously, they're down two nothing, and they have to go on the road. I don't have the Florida home barn being a tough place to play per se. That's a big thing for me as well, and just the way the game went. I mean, Bobrovsky's had. 34 saves in both games. I think well, it was 34 and 35. He's been absolutely lights out, which we knew could happen based on his experience. Um, two-time Vezina winner, obviously. Tons of playoff experience. And, and you knew he could turn it on. But but for me, that's still in, that's still showing me that Toronto, take it as you will, is the better team still and has been playing it like, like so. Maybe not so much in game one, but especially in game two. Like I only see about maybe 10 minutes of that game. They lost, they, they lost the game in 10 minutes. They did. Florida made that comeback all in one jump, and, and that's where it ended. And they weren't able to get that tying goal, even though they were all over them. So, like, I, I think I think Toronto wins that game maybe like six, seven times out of ten, but this wasn't one of those moments. So I still think Toronto could absolutely um, get this series done. We saw the Devils win two on the road. I know Toronto doesn't have a major change in the lineup like the Devils did um, going forward, but I really do. I, I, I wouldn't rule out Toronto being able, being able to win two games in Florida. Uh, even if they get one, win the other one back in Toronto. Like again, I, it, it's it's going to be tough for sure. But I, I I don't see this series being anything where I could say it's completely over at this point. No, absolutely. Well, we look, the, the Leafs are undefeated on the road right now. We look at the Boston Bruins. They won their first two games uh, when they went down to Florida as well. So that barn's not really that intimidating, and I think the Leafs have to respond. Uh, but you're right, Justin. You actually hit the nail on the uh, on the head. I saw a graphic sent to me uh, that looked over the advanced statistics. Uh, out of a 500-game simulation, the Leafs win that game almost 70% of the time. So obviously a tough loss there for them. Uh, but I, I think that if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, if you're Sheldon Keefe, you're looking at two guys. You're looking at Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. If you want to, if Leaf fans want to come out and say that Austin Matthews is the top five player in the NHL, if Mitch Marner's in the top 10 or top five players in the NHL, then show it. We look around the league, look what Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid are doing. Look what Nathan McKinnon was doing in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, these guys are stepping up and they're putting their teams on their back and they need that. You know, they need that from their stars and they just haven't had it. There's not consistency. They're not bringing it every night. They're not bringing it every shift. You need these guys to dominate. You need Austin Matthews to be better than Matthew Kachuk. 
you know, Matthew Kachak, I wouldn't say is better than Austin Matthews, but he has been in this series. You need your guys that you pay the big bucks to, that you say are the stars in the league to step up and show some stones. And you know what? I have a problem with that. And maybe it's, maybe it's still playing the, the, I'm playing the game at the collegiate level. It's a lot more low scoring. It's a lot more um, playing in systems, et cetera. Like, Matthew Kachuk, Matthew Kachuk, in a lot of ways, is the player I'd rather have. This guy's motor is unbelievable. He, he, he never stops. And he does all the little things, but he does it every single shift. Like, this guy is forechecking at a high rate every shift, laying the body every single shift, uh, um, backchecking, defense. Like, this guy plays every single shift as if it's game seven of the Stanley Cup finals, where you see a lot of guys, like you said, the Matthews, uh, uh, Marners, uh, Tavares a lot of times, and not even on the Leafs teams, like other teams as well, standing around, gliding, like honestly looking like they're taking shifts off. And it's hard to critique these guys. I mean, they're absolute superstars. It's a part of their process. They wait for the opportunities, and then they score, and they capitalize on it. That's what makes them so great. But I, it's hard for me to sit here and say that in a playoff series, I don't want a Matthew Kachuk. Like it's because this guy just does everything you need in the playoffs and sets an example that honestly, you see the rest of the Florida Panthers guys doing the same things, having the same motor. <laughs> and how can't you, when the coach is sending out Matthew Kachuk, your leader every shift. And that's what he's doing. Yeah, no, exactly. He just plays that perfect brand of hockey for the playoffs. And he's, he's showing what, you know, why he's so effective, but you know, and is it asking too much of Austin Matthews and, and Mitch Marner to play that style? Of course, that's just not their brand of hockey. But I still think that they need to be better um, if the Leafs, you know, want to, you know, win four or five and, and advance uh, to the uh, to the second round. I mean, or to the third round. I mean, I think that this would be disappointing. I think for Leafs fans. I mean, obviously there was the curse to get over that first round hump, but to to get beaten in uh, you know the way they're getting beat right now, I think that would be a full on disappointment for the Toronto Maple Leafs and. You know, obviously, uh, time will tell. Do you think that if they get swept, I mean, we are two, we are two zero going back to Florida. If they get swept, do we just scratch that first round and it's back to the reaction of who's getting fired, or is this something where they they overcame the jump? This core is obviously still got some time and age that they're not obviously like leaving the league, and and Keith and Dubas kind of get that nod. Hey, you won round one, but whatever. But like, this is this is arguably. A be, like a worse loss than if they did lose a Tampa round one. Yeah, honestly, it, 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 it always, there's a little bit more of a hesitancy, I think, in terms of uh, firing Keith and firing Dubas. Uh, I think Dubas, to be honest with you, I think his job is, is secure. I think he's done a fantastic job. I think he's done the right things. And, and uh, you know, yep. just obviously had an incredible deadline. I mean, you look at some of the guys that are bringing it every night, like Achari seems like he's buzzing. He's making things happen. I think O'Reilly's been one of the top Toronto Maple Leafs through Absolutely. the first eight games uh, of the playoffs. So I don't think Dubas, I, I could see Keith, you know, if he's not pressing the right buttons, if he's not having his guys going, obviously I don't want to jump ahead of it, but I mean, you'd have to think that you, you got to change something with this lineup and in, in regard to the, uh, to the top end talent on the team, but you know, time will tell. And, and I do think the Leafs respond down in Florida. I think that they're going to be playing desperate and, and uh, I don't think this series is over yet. Yeah. And I, I don't disagree with you. I think Keith, perhaps, I don't know if you know this, but like, in terms of Dubas and Keith getting the job, like you, I don't know if we talked about it or not. I don't, I don't think we did. But you know where Keith comes from, like how he gets the inside track to that Leafs job with Dubas. Like, yeah, he Dubas was, was obviously, G, G, yeah, the coach for Dubas beforehand. Like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I don't think it's a bad question. Like, was you it Sue Saint Marie? That. Yeah, Sue yeah. Saint Marie Greyhounds. Right? Yeah. Matt Matt Marie was there and all the connections they have and stuff like that. Like, 
I don't know if it's crazy to say that Keith kind of had the inside job and, and he's not necessarily the the number one coach that the Leafs could have hired. But hey, well, obviously there's more time. It's tough to question that until uh, it's all said and done, but we'll see. No, absolutely. Uh, let's flip into the second Eastern Conference uh, series in round two. We've got the Carolina Hurricanes taking on the New Jersey Devils. Obviously, both of us were being wrong. The New Jersey Devils and and Schmeed, man, just put on an absolute clinic with a shutout in Game 7. The Devils looked like they were the much better team and wanted it more and, and obviously ended up advancing. Uh, but in Game 1, Carolina absolutely dominated New Jersey only had one shot in the first period. Anyway, ended up winning the game 5-1. Schmid gets pulled. I know he'll be back in. They were kind of just being like, listen, we're not playing very well. Let's put Vitek Vanacek in. Let's give you a little rest here in the third. Uh, but I was surprised with the amount of hunger and 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 pride, but I, I shouldn't have been because a lot of people disrespecting the Carolina Hurricanes, who are the higher seed uh, at home. Um, I mean, what would you think from game one here, Justin? I mean, I think this is a moment for me and you to make a decision. Are we going to continue to just fade this Carolina team and, and just keep trying to pound it to the ground that we're riding that that Devils-Rangers winner, which obviously is the Devils here now? Or are we going to take a step back and say, you know what, we're, we're wrong about the injuries. Uh, they're, they're such a well-coached team, and they're so deep, and they play such a great five-on-five system that – it's more of a situation of it doesn't matter who's in there. As long as he's he's playing the system and playing the right way, this team's going to be firing on all cylinders. I mean, again, the question for me was how are they going to score? And then they score five goals and only allow one. Like they did they did it on both ends of the ice. It's it's going to be something where, um, like, Freddie's healthy. Freddie Anderson is a big piece for me. He's, he's healthy, and he was a huge part of why they had bow-outs in the last two playoff runs, and now he's healthy. So, like, there's no questions to ask on the defensive side. And if they're putting up five goals on Schmid, who the Rangers had trouble scoring against, again, we might be looking at the, the representative for the Eastern Conference here. Uh, uh, but it, it's also Stanley Cup final, so just wait for tonight's game at 8 p.m. and it'll be a 6 nothing Devils win, and we'll, we'll be talking about this the opposite way next. So it, it's so tough to predict the, uh, the ebbs and flows of, of, of this playoffs. So this is going to be – I think this is one for me that I could be on the wrong side every game of this series i feel like that that's just how this one's looking like it might shake out yeah i'm i'm going to stay on the new jersey devils cuz i don't think Schmeed played very well obviously a very high emotion game 7 where he played great i think he's got more in the tank and i just think that this devils team they're so resilient and uh you know being down 2-0 to the rangers losing both games at home and coming back in that series I'm not going to count these guys out, and I don't think they had their strongest effort in game one. I'm still going to stay with the New Jersey Devils, obviously, being more healthy. Um, it's crazy to you know just see the, some of the stat lines from round one. I mean, Timo Meyer zero points uh, in, in round one. Nico Heischer, yeah. no goals. And so if you can kind of start getting a lot, obviously, Timo Meyer was out due to that massive hit in game seven by uh, Jacob Trouba. Yeah, we got to get into that. Yeah, I mean, that I thought that. We got to get into that. What did you think about the hit? I mean... This is a heavy debate, whether it's clean or not. <laughs> heavy debate. I don't know where you stand, but to me, that's not a clean hit. I mean, there's a lot <laughs> to talk about. And this is a huge debate between, like, the guys in the hockey world in terms of, like, they say Meyer's low. Obviously, there's no call on the on the play, so that helps that, that side. And they say he's low, and their issue is that he cuts across the middle, already hunched over, and then he moves his head into that, that hit. And Chuba didn't bring the shoulder up or the elbow, but like that thing was square to the face. Like you can't have that hit in the game. Chuba just has to get lower or he can't lay that hit. Like he, 
Tiomar broke his nose. I think his eyes are like closed off and everything from the hit is insane. I absolutely loved it. I love that. I love that from Jacob Truba. That's his brand of hockey. He's the one of the last boomers in the league. And if you're going to come down the trolley tracks with your bucket down, buddy, you better, better, you better be ready for a, a face full of ice. <laughs> and I know there was no penalty call. You probably could have called it, um, you know, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I obviously I feel bad for Timo Meyer because uh, Truba had just hopped off the bench and he didn't see him coming and, and probably one of the worst guys in the league, like the modern day Scott Stevens coming across the ice and just 100% burying you. Uh, but obviously it's a tough loss for the New Jersey Devils. I'm assuming he'll be back with a cage, but his nose looks deformed, man. He got rocked. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I've got no issues with it, but I, uh, I could see the argument that it was to the head, uh, clearly his nose exploded. Um, but, uh, I mean, those are, there's just certain areas of the ice where you got to have that bucket yeah. up and you can't be staring down at the puck, especially going against the defenseman like Jacob Truba. Um, but what do you think? Do you think the Devils are out of this series, or do you think the Carolina Hurricanes are, uh, you know, they're going to be, um, you know, a little bit less of a wagon uh, in the in the games to come? No, I'm go. I'm gonna go with Devils here to tie it up in Carolina tonight. Uh, Schmid also got rest. That's another point to talk about. They took him out, so he uh, didn't didn't face that that 60 minutes of hockey. I'm gonna go with, uh, Devils to have the series here. Um, but. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, Devils didn't show up till game three of the last series, so hopefully they kind of learn from that and say, hey, let's get going earlier than, than later. So I'm going to take Devils here win this game. Uh, and a close, low-scoring one, 3-2 Devils. I like it. I like it. All right, let's move out west. Uh, we'll get the Seattle Kraken and the Dallas Stars going at it, and <laughs> Seattle continues there a little, you know, just surprising everybody by walking in, uh, in in game one into Dallas, and they got Joe Pavelski back. Joe Pavelski scores four goals, just putting that tipping that he works on for hours and hours and hours on display. Uh, wasn't good enough. Uh, Yanni Gore, this is the perfect example of these gritty goals in in, in playoff time. He just throws one on net. It beats the goaltender. Uh, it beats Jake Outinger. They ended up winning an OT. But last night, the Dallas Stars responded in a big way, which I think we expected. Uh, they get some nice, nice performances from some of their veterans. Tyler Sagan, five goals uh, in the playoffs, kind of riding under the radar. Uh, Joe Pavelski scores again. Evgeny Dadinoff, a nice, uh, a nice pickup at the deadline for for them so uh, the stars get uh, get lots of performance from their vets and, and, and end up tying up the series. But uh, Seattle, man, they continue to surprise. I'm not, I'm still not giving them enough love, man. But uh, the stars, uh, I think, uh, you know, they're right back uh, where they want to be after that response after game one loss. Yeah, for sure. And Wyatt Johnson for me is another name that's been uh, absolutely uh, playing great hockey. That's another depth piece that's huge for Dallas. But I'm um, still interesting to see Robertson not kind of taking over yet, but again, they're what they need to right now. Unbelievable tip-ins from Pavelski. Can't stress enough how impossible that is in in, in the moments. Like that is, uh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I can't describe the one that came across his body. He tips it with the shaft of his stick, going across the goalie's body, top corner is just an unbelievable goal that might get overlooked just because people can't comprehend how un, uh, crazy it is. But. Yeah, I think this is something where uh, I'm looking back to the Wild series and Dallas kind of had like a back and forth at the beginning of that one until they it looked like they just figured them out. And then they showed their experience and, and poise and dominated the rest of the way. I'm not saying they figured them out already in, in, in two games, but I, I'm still feeling very comfortable if I'm a Dallas fan. I really am. I know game one was a little bit of a shocker for some people, but 
no, I, I'm feeling comfortable for Dallas still. I think they get it done. Again, I think this is something where they have the goalie advantage. And I know Grubauer was playing good. Maybe they, maybe that kind of rolled into into the second round. But seven-game series is tough to tough to have the weaker team win through, consistently throughout the playoffs. So I'm, I'm, I think Dallas is in a good spot. Their uh, veterans are humming, and they've got a ton of depth on that team, man. I, I'm just still so surprised with Seattle. I mean, we look back at their deadline. Justin didn't do a thing. Didn't do a thing. They held on to all their draft picks. Um, and, uh, I mean, this is going to be a dangerous team, man. If they can kind of add in some top-end talent, you got Matty Beneers progressing into the player that he's going to be. They're going to be a scary team, but I agree. I think Dallas is going to. I mean, we both predicted this pre-series. I think that their goaltender is the better goaltender, and then they just have the more veteran presence all through the lineup, and they're going to walk through this series. Uh, maybe not on scave, but they'll end up winning. Let's move into the final series out west. We've got the Edmonton Oilers in Las Vegas, and a bit of a back-and-forth thriller in the first one. Leon Dreisaitl scores four on a losing effort. This dude has 11 goals in seven games. You want to talk about a gamer, man, and you want to talk about a guy who does not get enough love in regard to being one of the top talents in the NHL. Everyone talks about number 97 there in Edmonton, but if you want to talk about Leon Dreisaitl a bit more, I think you probably should because he is better than than the Austin Matthews of the world. He is better than the David Pasternak's of the world. He is the number two player in the world, and I don't want to. I, I don't want any arguments, man. It's the, it's the one-two punch, and they have them both in Edmonton, uh, but they end up losing uh, to Vegas, who obviously is a very experienced team, a very deep team. Uh, but uh, what did you see from Game One with the Edmonton and Las Vegas series? No, absolutely, and I mean this is going to get some pushback, but I think it also just for people just looking at the numbers, they'll say this is an easy take. But I watched every single second of the Oilers in the playoffs so far. Leon Drysaddle is the number one player in this playoffs right now. That is a fact. Connor McDavid, as great as he is, he's the best player in the world. He's the best NHL player in the world. I'm not I'm not saying that, but right now in this playoffs, Leon Drysaddle is playing at at. at just an absolutely insane rate, a pace, efficiency, anything you want to call it. It's unbelievable. This guy possesses the puck down low in the ozone without moving his feet. And NHL defenders can't touch the thing. He doesn't do a whole lot that's flashy compared to when McDavid does it. You know what I'm saying? Like, Jot doesn't find his game by going end to end. Jot doesn't find his game by slithering through three defenders and scoring a goal. He's going to be in the right spots. The guys, they won't be able to take the puck on him down low, working the cycle. And then he's just going to find himself on the goal line, putting it off the goalie's shoulder from behind the net and in. Just, he's, he's got that poise to him, that confidence in, in a sense that he knows that nobody can touch him. And, and I, again, we're going to talk about this series, break it down going forward. I know they lost game one. There's no chance on earth down one game after one which I'm pretty sure the stats that the Oilers have lost six straight game ones, I believe, in, in the last six series, that I'm going to feel concerned about the, the Oilers and where they stand in this series. They're on the road. All you got to do is split on the road. Honestly, I, I still wouldn't be uh, uh, too concerned if they went down 0-2 on the road, but this next game, Dratt and McDavid are so hungry. And then you give Dratt four goals and they still don't win. McDavid knows it's time to step up and, and, and take over a game or two. So, if I'm Vegas, I'm concerned that I just scored six goals, five goals, I guess, with with, uh, with uh, Skinner in. If I'm Vegas, I'm concerned that I had a five-goal night and it came down to to the goalie being pulled for Edmonton and, and it was that close. So, um, wh- wh- what do you see? I mean, you're, you're the one with uh, 
with some heat on it and, and little, made me a little bit more nervous and stuff as the playoffs keep progressing. What what are you seeing here from that game and going forward? Yeah, I, I see McDavid dominating at some points during the game. I mean, that guy is so fast. But one thing that I'm very confident in and uh, is is the power play uh, for the Edmonton Oilers. It is buzzing. Obviously, the number one power play in the regular season. They were at like a 56% clip in round, in round one. I mean... With having Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid, and then Bouchard at the at the uh, at the top, just laying bombs, it's it's unstoppable almost. And McDavid just what he'll do is he'll just circle, 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 and he'll circle yeah. the blue line, and they'll just find dry back door. And it's a, it's almost that new age Stamkos can play where it's just unstoppable, and they seem to do it at a very high rate. But I, I'm not I'm not worried yet. I'm not worried about these guys. I think they're going to respond. And, and I mean. I mean, it, this is one of the reasons why I bet the future on them in September was the fact that when you're dealing with these two guys, it's really hard to bet against them. And we saw last year what what Dia could do, uh, you know, with with one of them on one leg. So I'm still confident that Edmonton gets back on track. I'm excited that it's a Friday night tonight, so I can be able to stay up and watch the full totality of the game and not just watch my little clip it on YouTube. But I'm really excited for it. I'm uh, I'm excited for uh, for game two, and I expect a, a big response from the Edmonton Oilers. Um, any final thoughts before we move into the NBA, Justin? No, absolutely. I mean, hey, you got to stop these guys for seven games. You got to stop them for seven games, and that's harder than you think. So, hey, we got we still have a lot of series left for this uh, Jack McDavid duo to. Pull away. Absolutely. Do we ever. All right, let's move into the NBA here. Quarter two, episode 61, season three of the Daily Intermission podcast. We'll start out east with the Boston Celtics versus the Philadelphia 76ers. And obviously, uh, it was a tough week for Boston. Um, we just watched the best regular season team go down. Uh, and uh, the Patriots drafted a kicker and a punter. And then uh, an embedless Philadelphia rolls into Boston and <laughs> get get just manhandled and it, by the hands of James Harden, James Harden puts up 45 points without Embiid. They end up getting a game one win on the road. Absolutely phenomenal for the 76ers. But as I expected, the, the Celtics dominate in game two with a big response and a blowing out the 76ers. And I think what's worrisome for the 76ers is that Jason Tatum in this win only had seven points. Uh, but I think this is a seven game series. I think this is going to be an absolute battle. Uh, any, uh, anything from, uh, from the series that you've seen so far, are you leaning? You're still obviously on the 76ers. I'm on the Celtics, but we got a tie going back to Philly. Yeah. I'm, I got one thing to talk about that. I, that was very interesting for me. And I, I see both sides of it, but MB, MB does not play game one in Boston. And 76ers go on to win uh, uh, game one in Boston. My issue here is if I'm if I'm Doc Rivers, the coach of this team, and I got my MVP of the league banged up, and we just steal a game on the road, which in a, in it, like you just said, this is going seven games. Like you know, this is a series that goes seven games. You only got to split on the road. Try to win both at home. I'm in the I'm in the boat here where I rest and beat. Like I, I, that's where kind of my head's at. You give him that extra three day rest. Um, if Harden could do it again, he does it again. If not, hey, we just we're one one going back home and Embiid's on three more days rest. I'm not in the training room to know that. Hey, they came to him and said, hey, no, Embiid's like full go. Like the three days won't make a difference. Like he's 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 good. So obviously I don't know that. And I do understand if you win if you go up two zero in Boston. Yeah, that series is pretty close to over. I I understand that as well. But now you go out there, and I you get absolutely hammered. Hopefully Embiid's not. It, it wasn't something where he played through the injury a bit, and now he's kind of like just got walloped, and he and he exerted a game of, of playing time. He didn't hit thirty minutes, which is good. But for me, the X factor is still 
Embiid and his health. I mean, it's I know Harden went off, but this Boston team's too deep. Like Tatum's not going to be stuck at seven points. Look at him again. Look at Embiid and Harden. Fifteen points for Embiid, three rebounds. That's not him. And Harden had twelve points. Like that's just not again not going to cut it. But I like seventy sixers. I have seventy sixers to seven. You have Celtics to seven. So this is going to be a back and forth one to the end. Just two apps, pr- probably the two favorites to win the, the finals, right? I mean, is that what the, is, is that what this is? I assume. Yeah, I, I think so. Right now, I mean, the uh, the winner of this series and then the Denver Nuggets, uh, I think, would right now have the best uh, odds given up by the books to win the series. But uh, I got to give a shout out to my guy Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, did Malcolm Brogdon win the Rookie of the Year when he was in uh, Milwaukee? I'm not sure if he yeah. was. I think he did. Yeah, yeah he did. He did. Uh, obviously shipped over to Indiana, and then he played a heck of a game too. He had 23 points coming off the bench. So shout out to Malcolm Brogdon for still doing it. Obviously, a little probably a bit of a low key uh, piece for the Boston Celtics uh, yeah. in Malcolm Brogdon. But let's move into the other series. Uh, Eastern Conference, New York Knicks and Miami Heat. Obviously, we saw the Miami Heat roll into uh, to New or it was is it in Miami? No, it's in New York. Yeah, New York. Uh, Miami is the eight seed, so they'll be away the whole way. Yeah, it's uh, sorry, it was in New York, and obviously all the stars go out to the uh, Knicks game. Sauce Gardner was wheeling um, Jessica Alba. You love to see it from a young corner like Sauce Gardner just mixing it up. But <laughs> Miami wins game one. The Knicks bounce back, win game two. No Jimmy Butler in game two, and it was the it was the Brunson uh, uh, Julius Randall combo for the New York Knicks that really pushed them past. Uh, we got game three Saturday afternoon in Miami. Uh, anything from this series, obviously. Uh, you know, no Jimmy Butler is going to be very detrimental uh, for the uh, for the Miami Heat, as we saw that guy Hemi Butler put the team on his back in the first round. Yeah, I know. We talked again. I mentioned it uh, on the podcast we had after Game One. I said Jimmy Butler rolled that ankle, so it's going to be interesting to see how he goes moving forward. I do expect him to play through it. I mean, he's got that dog in him to say the least, so he'll absolutely be back. But um, R.J. Barrett, twenty four, Brunson, thirty, Randall, twenty five and twelve, and uh, Josh Hart. 12, 11, and 9. Like, that is a four that are just willing this New York Knicks teams to win. Um, and again, even if Butler comes back, he's playing on a hurt ankle. How hot can he stay? I like the Knicks. It's, it's, I know it's obviously a lot of people are saying, oh, well, Butler torched them, and then you only won by six without Jimmy. Like, again, it's going to be tough. An ankle injury is very tough in the NBA. Um, yeah. So uh, obviously, I hope Butler's back. I mean, it's great for it's great for uh, um, watching a guy like that go off. That's what you, it's just electric for the playoffs. But for uh, for my New York Knicks pick, uh, I'm still liking them right now, and I know not not a lot of people are. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean it's it, we'll see what he looks like in Game Three in Miami, and I mean it's going to have to be a um, you know an effort that uh, that is driven from the, from the depth guys there in Miami. Your Tyler Heroes, your Kyle Lowry, who is a skeleton of what he used to be. Um, you know your Bam Adebayo's, but. Let's move in to the Western Conference, and I got to give Justin his flowers. He's been bullish on the Denver Nuggets, even pre-playoffs, and they continue to roll. They look fantastic. Um, and uh, KD, to be honest with you, I saw obviously the Denver Nuggets are up 2-0 on the Phoenix Suns right now, and just KD hasn't really looked like himself. Uh, now they've got Chris Paul out with the groin injury. The Nuggets up 2-0. Are they just going to continue to roll here? Does Phoenix have any chance of a pushback here in the series? Nope. Nuggets are going to roll. Nuggets are going to roll through the next round, and Nuggets are going to be representing the West. Uh, it's the way it's kind of been shaking out for a while now. Um, and then the best part is that Lakers and Golden State are going to go to absolute war over there and for seven games while these Nuggets hopefully are done by six or less. Um, I can't sit here and say that this is going to be a sweep. I also I, I don't think that at all. 
I think Booker could absolutely go nuts for a game. I think, like you said, KD could uh, also have a big game. But again, I mean, this is the this is how the the NBA works nowadays. You build these super teams where Kevin Durant comes in during during the trade deadline, plays maybe five minutes with this with this full lineup together, yep. and then you expect to go into a playoff run and and just oh hey, we're it's street ball. We just have the best players. We're going to win. This Nuggets team play a full team game. They play a cohesive unit game. They're very good defensively. They're very efficient offensively. The Denver Nuggets are going to get 40 from Jamal Murray and win game one. And then they go out here. He gets he gets 10 points for them, shooting 315. And they still win the game because they have the depth that Jokic goes berserk with 39. And then they get double-digit scoring from three other guys. Like, it is going to be tough to beat them. And it doesn't matter if Jamal Murray scores 10 when the, the Phoenix Suns can't even score 90. We want to put in perspective how good this Nuggets defense is. Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, I know he got hurt. They just could, they couldn't put up 90 on this group. They couldn't put up that. That's huge for me. And, and again, I mean, it, a lot of people are going to say, man, what are you talking about? LeBron will take them to work. Or Stu Curry and the Warriors are going to take them to work. Just watch, especially if this series, I'm telling you, if the series is done in four or five and this Nuggets team is waiting, whoever goes to them, you want to keep talking about Golden State on the road? Denver's the home team. Lakers and LeBron, they go against the rest of the Nuggets team. Like, that's how I see this going down. Uh, hopefully, I'm not looking like a fool from this rant, but I, I don't, I, I haven't seen anything that, that's pushed me off uh, my prediction so far. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, I mean, just that CP3 injury just jumps off the page. And just through the fact that Kate, like KD is the guy I'm looking at right now and going, like, listen, like, you're the guy, you're the big acquisition. You're the guy that made all, it's going to put us over the top. You're the guy that's going to give us our championship. Let's see what you could do, bud. Let's see what you, how you respond at home in Game 3. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Let's move into that final series uh, with the Los Angeles Lakers and Golden State Warriors. Obviously, the Lakers come into Golden State, grab a big win in Game 1. Anthony Davis with a 30-point night. LeBron James adds 22. I mean, they just... Uh, Anthony Davis, when he looks healthy, obviously is one of the better players in the NBA, but it just hasn't been the case over the last few seasons. He's just dealt with so many different injuries. They call him Street Calls Davis because he's rarely playing. <laughs> Uh, but a game two, Clay bounces back and and has a huge night uh, with eight three points made, thirty points. This time, this this series is tied one one. Heading to Los Angeles, I think if you're a Golden State fan, you got to look at this. Go, we suck on the road and we're tied one one. So we'll see what happens here. We haven't seen a ton from LeBron yeah. and Steph. I'm assuming that they'll put on a bit more of a performance in these next two games. Uh, slide their names more into the narrative of breaking down this series. But we're tied one one here. How you feeling about the Lakers Golden State series? Yeah, I mean, I think I said it a little bit there, but I think it's going to be an absolute war to the end. Uh, just touching on Davis, I, I don't have a read on Davis. He's absolute superstar. Um, <laughs> but then he goes out and gets 11 points and seven rebounds. Like, And, and this has happened in the series prior. He'll win a game, and then he just will be like lost for a game, it seems like, and they, and they lose like in a close margin or they get blown out or whatever. But it's so hard to predict like like these L.A superstars in this team like I feel like you're gonna get your 20 from LeBron but man they either win the game by like 10 to 15 or they lose it by 20 sometimes and this Golden State team is so talented at home I think I had Lakers pre-series I believe but um I would say if I'm Lakers or Golden State fan I'm feeling better if I'm a Golden State fan like you said splitting on splitting on the road 
Um, and then being able to come back home, uh, maybe they figured something else, something out against Davis. Maybe that was a, a, a system change that they had that, that ended up working well. But uh, you can't rule out this this experience on the Lakers team to make an adjustment. So I really do think this is going seven. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be exciting. Obviously, they're heading to L.A. and we'll play. I'm not sure actually when game three is. Uh, probably Saturday, uh, I would assume, or Sunday. Um, yeah, Saturday's right, 8.30 p.m. Saturday night, so that'll be a fun one to watch. Uh, but let's move into the halftime show. That'll conclude uh, the breakdowns of the series going on right now in the NBA and NHL. So this halftime show is name the top five. So we've got different categories, and I'm going to start things off here for Justin. Name the top five NBA playoff scores. NBA playoff scores, LeBron James is one. Yep. Michael Jordan's two or yep. yeah, Michael Jordan's in there. Michael Jordan's two. Um, I'm going to say Lakers. We need Lakers guys. I'm going to go Kareem. Three. Is Shaq? Five. Oh gosh. Um, Kareem Shaq. Kobe? Bang, dude. Let's go. One, oh, two, three, four, five. Let's go. Let's go. Come on now. That's light work. Wow. All right. I got an NHL for you. All right. We're kind of in the same mindset here. Top five NHL playoff points leaders all time. This is could get ugly. Wayne Gretzky? Yeah, one. Yari Curry? Mark Messier? Yari Curry's, Yari Curry's three, Messier's two. Okay, there's three. Um, uh, okay, here. Let's, um, I guess, do we want to throw in like a... a, a I'm just going to ask for a hand. Are four and five a Montreal Canadian? No. So f- I'll give you that. That's fair. So four is another Oiler player, not just an Oiler, but played for the Oilers. And okay. number five, just an all-timer. Number five is another all-timer though. Okay. Okay. Um, another Oiler player. Uh, let me think here. Um, who played with Messi, Gretzky, Curry, um, Paul Coffey? No. Nope. Um, playoff points all time. Sid's not in there, is he? He's six. He's six. That's okay. Su- that surprised me. Um, gosh. Uh, another Euler. Uh, fifth all time. I can't. I'm. People are probably looking at me like, Greg, you're such an idiot. Um, no, I'll give it to you. The fourth one's tough. The fourth one is a tough Euler. I'll give you credit for that. The kay. fifth guy. I'd say the fifth guy is an all-timer, though. Uh, is it like Iserman? No, no, not quite. This guy was higher on the all-time points as well, though. Um. Okay. Uh, Yager. Yager's five. Yager's five. Um. One more. Gu- one more guess for four. Yeah. He's a yeah. Tough name. I don't know who is it. Glenn Anderson. Okay, Glenn yeah, Anderson. Another forward on those Edmonton that uh, uh, Another thousand point player too for a career. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's a good one there. I like that. Um, obviously, that was a probably a long. I'll have to cut that up when I post that on socials because there was a lot of uh. <laughs> um, all right, Justin, we're gonna stay in the NHL here. Who are the top five Stanley Cup winning franchises in the NHL's history? All right, number one is Montreal Canadiens. Yep. Um, Detroit Red Wings. Three. Um, are the Leafs in there? Number two, the Leafs, St. Pat's. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so I said Montreal, Toronto. I said Detroit. Yep. Um, I'm gonna say the Penguins. No, it's it's close. They're six. 
Um, okay, I'm gonna go with the. Are the Oilers in there with with their? No, no, they're not in there. Oilers, not Islanders. Oh, I should know this. Oh, uh, the, are the Devils in there? No. Wow, Rangers. No. Oh my goodness. All time Stanley Cups, not Pittsburgh. Red Wings. Oh, Bruins. They're oh, five. They're bad. five. That can't take. That can't take that long. They're five. Yeah, Bruins, Red Wings. And then I said Detroit. Yeah, and then another Is original, it original six. six team. Yeah, Am I, I'm missing original six team. Yeah. Oh my god, I might just be blanking on all together. Okay, I said Rangers. I said Bruins. Chicago. Oh no. Chicago, Chicago four. Still? Yeah, Chicago four. So they're your top five, wow. all original six teams. Um, yeah, makes sense, I guess. Yeah. And they're just passing around for the first forty that's, years. That's exactly what they did. Yeah, <laughs> typically up north of Montreal. Yeah, yeah, literally. All right, I got, I got another one. NBA here. Okay. All right, top five players to win the most NBA MVP awards. Okay. Um, Michael Jordan. Yep, he's three, tied for two, tied for Kareem. Two. Kareem's one with six. Kareem's one with six. MJ. Uh, I'm not even sure. How, is LeBron on the list? Yeah, he's tied at uh four with Wilt. Okay. Uh, Kobe. No. Shaq. No. Okay, MVPs here. Um, we got, so I said, um, uh, Kareem, uh, we got Wilt LeBron. We got MJ. Um, you need one more magic who, uh, no. uh NBA MVPs. Oh gosh. All I'm all timer. I'm missing an all timer for sure. Uh, um, uh, NBA MVPs, um, not Larry bird. No, same franchise though. Bill Russell. Bill Russell's got five. Okay. Okay. Surprising, actually, I think. Yeah, yeah. Five. Well, when you win 11 rings, you got a ring for your toe. <laughs> uh, but that's fun. That's good <laughs> stuff there, folks. That's the halftime show for episode 61, season three. Let's move into the NBA, or let's move into the MLB. I apologize here, Justin. Uh, it's been, you know, obviously kind of on the back burner for our things. But I do remember last episode when we previewed this Red Sox-Blue Jays series. You were on the Jays in a sweeping fashion. I was on the Red Sox, and the Red Sox come out, and they bring out the janitorial brooms, and they sweep the wheels off the Blue Jays. A um, little concerning right now with the, uh, the pitching of the Blue Jays. Um, their offense is rolling. You've got some of the best batters in the AL right now, and you just you know you lose three straight to the Boston Red Sox, who aren't particularly fantastic. I don't think a lot of people projected them to be overly competitive in the AL East this season. Uh, but the Red Sox bring out the brooms and uh, Alec Manoa, Gosman, and and uh, and Kikuchi, they get banged up. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not good when none of our starters go six innings against the Boston Red Sox at the moment. But uh, and not to mention the Red Sox passing the Jays now in the standings. I know it's early, but still um, something where if you're a Jays fan or even a projector in the MLB, you would not have had the Jays being second last in the division, let alone the Yankees being last, but that's another topic. But <laughs> like you said, um, for this Jays team, yeah, for me, it's, it's pitching. Like you said, I mean, God, none of our pitchers go six innings. Gosman goes three, I believe. He gets eight, eight or nine, ten hits and eight or whatever it was. Like, 
it's a tough time. It's a tough time because because we felt like this was a pitching group that had the ability to turn on enough to possibly win the AL and make a World Series push, especially with the bats we have. Like, it's a problem when all we need from pitching is just like competent outings. You know what I mean? Like, we're not asking for uh, Scherzer, Verlanders to grow. Like, we're not asking for the pitching to win us games. We're merely asking for the pitching to be uh, enough for the bat, the bats to do the rest of the job to push us to the win. So that's a big problem. And it, the pro- the big problem is that it's every pitcher. It's not like we're dealing with two or three or, or two where it's like every other start we're having the issue. It's like, yeah, we're getting swept by the Red Sox because every outing we don't have any delivery on the mound. So um, interesting. But where, I mean, where do you stand with the Red Sox? Like, in your, They're tough for me to read. They're 19 and 14. Is this just like a good start-ish and they're going to come back down or can they be a competitor for the top three in this division? Yeah, it's it's one of those things where they're kind of a team that can dig deep and not a lot of people think that they can go on runs. Like I think about the 18 World Series, for example, 17, like they were the one of the worst teams in the league. And then you kind of projected, you're like, yeah, they can't make too many strides. Well, last year they had a bad season and, you know, could they turn heads? Well, they're getting incredible pitching. I'm not sure if that can get, you know, can continue. Uh, and, and then some of their bats are going. Obviously, we saw uh, Verdugo with the huge walk-off home run. And then, um, you know, they've got the Raphael Devers and uh, they do have have uh, some veteran presence in the lineup. I just, I, I think they're a bit of a pretender at this point. I think the Jays, it is panic mode. It's not quite panic mode, but I do think that the pitchers are of the caliber that they will turn it around. Um, Manoa is interesting for me. I mean, what is it? His sophomore season or his third year? Like we haven't had a full you know, a lot of runway in regard to like making a great judgment, but he hasn't been the same Manoa that we expect him to be. Jose Barrios is a guy that I think he's just going to be one of those guys that's such up and down. Like he's going to have good outings. He's going to have bad outings. It's just kind of what we've seen as he's played for the Blue Jays. And I think that that's what you get. Kevin Gosden's the one guy, like you can't give up 10 hits. Like that's the guy that should be, I think yeah. kind of the most stable pitcher in that rotation. Yeah. Uh, but I think it, you know, I think that this could be just an early season hiccup for the Blue Jays. And I don't think the Red Sox, are going to be a team that can go on a huge, uh, you know, historic run. I think that, you know, as we see this AL bloodbath turn out, this AL East bloodbath, the Red Sox are going to kind of fall to the bottom. I don't. I I agree with one hundred percent with you. And and I I just flipped over to the Red Sox team team statistics here, just because again, I'm not following the Red Sox much this year. I'm not high on them, but they're seven and three in the last ten. They're on a six game win streak. This is their team ranking for these stats here. Right? These are all top three. Runs, hits, batting average, OBP, slugging, OPS, and they're fifth in home runs. The problem is all their pitching, bottom twenty three in the league, bottom un- worse than twenty three in the league. So again, so the riding hot bats, the riding hot bats, yeah, right the riding hot bat, they're riding hot. I mean, that's to say the least. They're not going to be a top three team in, in all these batting stats. So I mean, I I could ex- I could see them. Uh, going for a free fall here at some point. No doubt. No doubt. So did you see the highlight from Tampa Bay's, uh, I, I think Wander Franco is a shortstop. If not, he's a second baseman. But anyway, yeah. he was he was at second base and gets a grounder and he flips the ball to himself. It was the most arrogant play I've ever seen in my life. Throws the guy out at first. It's like kind of like the defensive play of like a bat flip. Like, it's just, I mean, I could not believe he pulled it off. Obviously, we'll show the highlight uh, on the socials later on if you haven't seen it. But Wander Franco with the ball flip to himself, guns him out of first. I know it kind of started a little bit of buzz around the league. Like, yeah, you can't be, you know, people were saying they weren't impressed by it. But uh, what'd you, what'd you take, what was your take on Wander Franco's uh, ball flip? 
No, I saw that Brian Reynolds said he's not not impressed about it. I mean, I don't. I I thought it was interesting. Did, didn't like he grabbed the ball. It was in his glove. Yeah, like stopped it. Came back to his hand, and he like taught like tossed it. Up. I don't. Yeah. What was the reasoning instead of just like it's in the hand and uh, guns it up? Like it's just pure showmanship. Not, I it's, play. Is that all it is? Oh yeah. yeah. Just, just pure I'm good showmanship to do this. Was oh, that yeah. just a, I'm good enough to do this? I'm going to do this. He. Yeah. I mean, he's legit, so I don't question it. He oh, got yeah. he got the, the out, but um. I don't know. Yeah, that that was quite something. He's having an unbelievable year. He's in the MVP race right now through 30 games. And and this he's got his race teams humming. So you know what? Maybe it's just something where you got to say, hey, do, do whatever works for you, man. You can't question him. You know what they say when you're feeling it? You're feeling it. And uh, Wonder Franco certainly yeah, right now is yeah. feeling it. He's pulling off that uh, that stunt in the MLB. But uh, I do want to mention, too, we haven't really talked about Jeho Otani much on the podcast. Obviously, he was a huge uh, topic of discussion last year. But uh, Otani and Babe Ruth, only players to 500 career Ks and 100 home runs. Obviously a huge milestone for Otana. We know what he brings to the table. We know that he is an absolute unicorn. Um, yeah, huge, uh, huge um, uh, breakthrough and, and just milestone for, for Seho Otani. Shohei. Yeah, not much to add. Yeah, we're 30 yeah. games in. The guy's hitting 300. I mean, I know, I'm not saying he's going to hit 300 on the year. It's just like every year this guy's going to just continue to be absolutely insane in this league. And, and Hey mate, the angels are in second. That, that's the one thing I'm going to cheer for this season um, in terms of like narratives or cheer for good baseball. I want to see the angels in the playoffs. Come on, I want to see Otani and Trout in the playoffs would be something that the MLB would love to have. And I, I'm all, I'm all, I'm all on that bandwagon. Absolutely. Um, Robbie Ray, Tight pants, Robbie Ray, obviously in Seattle, done for the season. So I know a lot of people in, in the Toronto Blue Jays world were worried about when Robbie Ray departed and they brought in, chose to go with with, uh, with Kevin Gosman on, on similar contracts. But, you know, now Robbie Ray is done for the year. So that's a tough loss for the Seattle Mariners. A lot of people bullish on the Mariners to make uh, some, some noise later on in the season. And we got to talk about the New York Yankees right now. In the basement of the AL East and... I mean, I don't even know if Giancarlo Stanton, like, like he is the biggest bandit in the MLB right now. You got Josh Donaldson in the IL. You got uh, Aaron Judge in the IL, man. Like, they're free-falling, and, and things, uh, I don't think reinforcements are coming here anytime soon for the uh, for the New York Yankees. Yeah, let's just try to picture this narrative here. If I were to tell you preseason, the New York Yankees, New York Yankees pitching are going to have them top six in every single stat. But the bats... But the bats of the New York Yankees are going to be bottom three in the league through 30 games. Nobody would believe that. Everyone would be calling me an absolute fool. Um, I didn't predict it myself, but that's just where we are at the time. This this Yankees team have no hitting going on right now. And it's just something we haven't seen in I don't know when from this Yankees team. I Again... We talk about positive or negative regression. This Yankees team is extremely due for positive regression. They're also a team that, don't forget last year, I think they started the first 50 games out. They took like a 20-game lead on the division and then just like rested everyone for the last 60 games. I mean, you can't ever say that they could just turn it on post-All-Star game and, and, and come from bottom to top of this division with the talent they have, but... And you got to be a little bit concerned here for sure as a Yankees fan, just the groundwork you have to chase back up. And this race team has got a substantial lead. If they could just play, if they if they are what they are, then yeah, Yankees aren't winning this division right now, and they're going to be battling to just make the playoffs in a wildcard spot. 
yeah, I don't want to say this, but I would say that this next kind of this next 30, 40 games is going to be critical for the New York Yankees because if they fall in too much of a hole, it's going to be too much to dig out of. And I think that that would be a massive disappointment, especially with the year that Garrett Cole's having. Um, but uh, the Pirates FU Tour, just wanted to update people. They've they've lost four straight games. And uh, actually, Jack Archer, captain of the chalkboard app, he circled the uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, as an FU Tour. So betting against them for 10 straight games. So they're off to a nice start there. Um, but the MLB marathon continues and it will continue to kind of be floating in the backdrop uh, for us as we continue to monitor and uh, really, uh, you know, just consume the uh, the NHL and NBA playoffs. But uh, let's move into quarter four here. Finally, Justin, we got the PGA Tour in action. We got some big UFC fights this weekend. Uh, the Wells Fargo Championship, an elevated event held at Quail Hollow, uh, just a great golf course. Um our best bets. I mean, they're looking pretty good. Uh, you know, we're giving out five each week right now. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood is in the lead. As actually, you know what? I'm going to check in on the uh, the leaderboard just quickly here. But that at plus fifty five hundred yeah. is looking good. Yeah, I got it right here. Fleetwood's through fourteen holes. He's even today. He's minus six, tied with uh, uh, Clark and and Lashley. Uh, they're both dash six as well. Um, so yeah, he's going to round out the day. Probably sitting in tied for the lead. Maybe just a stroke or two back. Um, if he could finish up with a birdie or two to end it, that'd be phenomenal as well. Um, I'm also seeing the asterisks here. Did that, I believe that means they don't start on one, so he actually might even be a uh, um, couple more holes to go still than, than we think. But either way, yeah, Fleetwood, great start. We'd love to see that uh, for the fellas here. That'd just be absolutely electric. Um, I had Cantley and, and M. They're, Cantley's minus four, M's minus three. They're in the hunt as well. They haven't teed off yet. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Uh, who'd you have? Who are you rocking with here? Yeah, I got Victor Hovland. He's at minus four. Uh, he's minus uh, four on the day. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, he, so he's right in the mix as well. I mean, you have to think a yeah. couple strokes off the, off the lead going in the weekend. We've got a lot of horses in this race, which you just love to see from the boys. I also have Cameron Young, who's sitting around even par right now. Uh, he's moved on to the front nine. So hopefully he can, uh, you know, kind of figure it out. Uh, but it looks like minus one even will kind of be the cut potentially plus one. Uh, but we do have a lot of horses yeah. in this race, uh, for the weekend at the PGA tour. So obviously a big event this week, uh, at, uh, Quail hollow. Um, and, uh, just finally in the UFC, Justin, uh, it's the Bantamweight championship this week. Uh, Aljamain Sterling versus Henry Cueto. We, it's been three years since Cueto's fought. Obviously we know Aljamain Sterling has been dominating that, that belt defense. So that's going to be good fun. I'm off to a local Atlantic Canadian fight league this week in fight league Atlantic, um, in Windsor, Nova Scotia. I'm excited about that. Uh, but, uh, but listen, uh, Justin, it's been a pleasure. Episode 61 coming to conclusion. Have a good, have a yeah, good absolutely. weekend, everybody. Yeah, let's see. Uh, great sports going on. Have fun at that uh, event. You're gonna have to let me know how it was. Yeah, I'll be. I'll post a bit on the socials. But everyone, enjoy your weekends. We'll be back on Monday. <laughs>